Hey, it's uh, Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Anything you want to find out about Trade Show Guy and exhibits and all that stuff, which is what we do here at Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Uh, the blog, the books, uh, the other sites, the webinar sites, it's all there at tradeshowguy.net, kind of our central hub. I thought I would just get right to the interview this week because I think it's a good one and it's a little longer than the ones I normally do. It's like 20 plus minutes or so. Um, back in early March, I think I posted it March 2nd, the day I went to California to go to Expo West, the day that I was sitting on the tarmac in the airplane when I got the, no- the news that it had been canceled. Uh, and everything was canceled. Anyway, I flew down there, spent the week down there, had a mini vacation, helped a bunch of clients get their stuff shipped out. It was one of those weeks. But that Monday, on the 2nd of March, I posted an interview I had done uh, the week or two before with uh, Marcus Vale and John Pugh of Share Experience. They had just formed a new company the previous October. Uh, somehow we connected up and we had a nice conversation about that new company, what they were looking to do. And then everything changed. So I got an email. We've stayed in touch. I got an email from uh, Marcus here in the last uh, couple of weeks. And I thought, and you mentioned some of the things uh, they were doing there, uh, doing virtual events and what they'd learned and that sort of thing. I thought, well, let's let's share that experience and see what's going on. He also made a comment along the way about how I think the industry is still grieving for how everything has changed and it's gone away. Uh, very little businesses to be had out there. Uh, very little uh, events are going on. Uh, trade shows, the big ones are gone uh, until further notice, until people figure out how to deal with uh, all the COVID-19 pandemic and stuff. But yeah, we got together uh, in the last few days and had a nice chat, John Pugh and Marcus Vale and I, uh, and, and this is how that uh, great conversation went. Hope you enjoy it. I want to thank Marcus Vale and John Pugh from Share Experience joining me on this week's uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Good to see you guys again. How are you doing? It's been a while. Good to see you. Yeah. It has been a while. I was thinking about that. When was the last time we spoke? I was trying to... You know, I should have looked. Uh, I think it was last fall, maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. And I know that, uh, Marcus, you were on one of the kind of the multi-thing we had here at, right in March when everything was kind of like falling off the cliff and we didn't know what to do about it. Um, And you made a comment, we'll cover this here in a little bit, uh, in an email that you you sent to me in the last uh, few days, which I think will be interesting to explore. But what are you guys doing? How are you uh, dealing with with everything at at the company? I know it was a new company that you launched last year and obviously that is fraught with its own issues. So, so what's going on? Yeah, that's why I kind of asked when, when we had talked before, obviously it was, it was pre COVID and, uh, I think it was right around uh, when it was happening, mid-March, that Marcus and I decided to kind of adapt um, our new business model to uh, live interactive events where we're kind of substituting uh, technology for architecture and, uh, you know, putting on live interactive events. And that's kind of kind of where we pivoted and yeah, been working on it ever since. So what kind of things have you found? Have you learned? Have you, have you, have you done many events or any events or it's kind of explore that particular topic. I'm curious what, what you're facing when you do that. Well, the first big thing is there's not a really good solution just off the shelf for a lot of these things. Right. And there's not a good solution for a lot of custom traditional events that were happening in our industry. There's not a good uh, pathway just to take those into a new form into a, you know, technological version or digital version. So solving the problems of doing that is not as simple as just saying, okay, we're going to do it in front of a camera and and broadcast it on the web. So that's one thing that we have gone through is all of the effort in um, 
identifying and partnering and creating a streaming backbone and uh, creating, you know, analytics and interaction tools to layer on top of that. And then also we, we are also proposing creating a physical set for a lot of clients. So there's a lot of problems to solve in all of this. And we're seeing that everybody is sort of approaching it as a new thing. You know, it's not like everybody's been doing this for 25 years already. Right. And this, gosh, so many questions uh, come up from just what you said right there from, from uh, clients or organizations that, you know, want to create sort of a set. Um, is it going to be something they're going to use once? So it's just a one-off and then they're going to stuff it away. Or is it going to be a rental? Those types of things. How big is it going to be? What's going to be on it? I mean, that's just a physical property. Then of course, when it comes to the technology that you have to, you know, get from point A to point B to make sure everything looks good, sounds good and goes out, what kind of platforms. So what have you learned and uh, what works, what doesn't work, I guess? Um, just name names if you can, if there's a, if there's a product yeah. that you like, you know? <laughs> well, we, we just actually uh, produced our, our own video kind of as um, an example of what you could do. It's on our website. We just posted it on, it was, I believe it was last Monday. Yeah. So it's a pretty good example of um, what you can do, the features that we provide. And, and that's a really good question as far as, is it, is it a temporary setup? Is it a permanent setup? And we found, we've talked to uh, hospitals, universities, uh, corporations, and, and we do see it being um, possibly a, a permanent set maybe 500 square feet in a corporate headquarters where, you know, they could present messages to their employees, to their customers, to their distributors. And, you know, the technology is very, it's very robust and it's very scalable as far as price goes. I think when people think of a live production that's high quality audio and video they think in the millions and and really um using a, a solid uh, streaming platform you know it's in the thousands of dollars you know depending on what that experience or what they want to do and that's where our experience is kind of transferable from what we were doing before right. we were we were doing custom experiences for our clients with three-dimensional architecture now we're, we're doing the same thing we're listening to what their needs are but customizing um, maybe the space a little bit, but the technology to meet their needs. And again, it's not millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's in the thousands of dollars, depending on what they want to do. So one of the questions that, that I kind of pondered here as I was making some notes on what we might talk about is uh, whoever these organizations are, you mentioned hospitals and universities and, and, and corporations, they've got to have a reason for doing this. Are they coming up with really solid reasons or are they just thinking, you know, we have to do something because everyone else is? I mean, you hate to just go be the guy at the trade show that's there because you've been doing it for 20 years, not really knowing why you're there. So to me, why is, is a big question. What kind of things are, 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 are companies doing and looking? I mean, obviously you want to com communicate, but is it also engagement with the, uh, the end user or the, the viewers? What kind of things are coming up in that part of the conversation? Well, that, that is an interesting question, Tim. You know, uh, you started out talking about universities and education and cultural institutions, and those are organizations that we're looking at because they're content creators. That's what they've always been. They've always been there to create, you know, curriculums, content, education programs, tr training, 
and they have professionals on staff and facilities that are designed to do those things. It's just that we can't go inside there now. We can't be together and do those things. And so the need is really obvious for a lot of those kind of organizations sure. who have donor groups to communicate with, um, community organizations to communicate with, and uh, obviously, you know, members and people that would visit a museum or a, a symphony or a theater. So those groups have an obvious need because they've got the content, they've got all of the stuff that they need to get out. Getting it out is the issue right now. And of course, um, for those same organizations, a lot of them are nonprofits, so fundraising is an issue. And you know, if they don't have people going through the door to museum, they're making a lot less money. Their operating um, costs are going down, but also their operating revenue has gone down quite a lot too. So that's another program that they can sort of move into a digital uh, situation to try to get back to in touch with donors. And, and, then, and go ahead. I was going to say in the marketing end of things for you know, for profit companies and corporations, you know, a lot of them were obviously doing live event marketing, face-to-face -face marketing. And so translating that into a new digital form is an easy thing to do. But we are seeing that a lot of marketers sort of just cut their experiential budget and didn't say, oh, we're going to go to something new. They might have reapportioned that money into another area of their marketing budget. They might be doing more ad expenditures, or they might have just completely moved off into another space entirely. And that seems to be where a lot of them are going, and they don't really know where to go yet, it seems like. So we're trying to <laughs> you know, get out in front right. of them. Well, a typical company that's selling, you know, software or, you know, uh, muffins or something, any, any sort of product, obviously they want to have a need to do that. But how often do, would they like to do that? Is it something they're just going to put on their social media platforms? I mean, there's so many, so many different directions that this fractures into in, in my mind. And then you mentioned schools. I thought, gosh, how many, even here in one state or your state, you know, how many, you know, high schools, how many middle schools have, have the same issue? They've got to get their information out to someone, some kid like my got a, I got a stepson upstairs that's going to be a junior this fall. He can't go to school till February. And, right. But they're going to do school. They're not sure how that's going to work yet. So um, right. there's obviously a lot of ways that this could fall into that, as getting that information, the content out to an end viewer. Yeah, and we've also found that there's there's kind of a Zoom fatigue. I mean, it's Zoom. It, I mean, it really was a great solution in March, February. You know, April, it still May. is for impromptu type of thing, right? Sure. I mean, there's definitely a great purpose for it, and it got us through some of the, the toughest times. But I think that as we move forward, if you're a corporation or if you're a brand and you're messaging, I think it's very important that you represent to your employees or to your customers that it's not, you know, the dog's not barking in the background. And, you know, it's a little bit more of a professional, um, you know, visual communicated kind of thing, you know. Um, I know that... Uh, um, we're between like Zoom and live broadcast television. So it's kind of right in between that. It's sort of a hybrid and, and the hybrid looks different for, for every use. I think it sounds like you mentioned dog. My dog is asleep down here right now. I think that was, <laughs> <laughs> but if he hears the mailman or something, all bets are off. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, Marcus, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. You mentioned, let's talk about the, the exhibit and trade show and conference and event world. Uh, you, you made a comment here in an email. You said, you know, it strikes me that our industry has experienced a grieving process and that everyone is in so, kind of a slightly different stage on the way to acceptance of that. What kind of 
you know, let's kind of go off of that interesting topic. I think you're right. I think that uh, us in the, you know, trade show exhibit end, providing and design and, and fabrication are certainly, you know, I've had no business for months. Um, I'm driving for Uber Eats. I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. And I keep looking for more business, but there's just not a lot out there to be had. And there's certainly no shows to go to or very, very few shows. And if they are, they're very small and, and regional. So, you know, how, how do we get through this? You know, it, there is some grieving going on, I think. Yeah, I, th I think there is, you know, on the, on the supplier side, on our side of things, those of us that were used to what, the way the exhibit industry worked for a long time are slow to accept that it has changed fundamentally for the rest of our lives. And in, in many ways, obviously, that we're not going to dive into. But, you know, um, I think when initially all of the shutdowns started, we started that process of grieving the loss of our business and our clients and the events themselves. And slowly we're moving toward the acceptance that it's further out than we think it's going to be, that the recovery for our industry may take years if it happens. And, you know, if we're going to keep moving forward as an industry and not just walk away completely from it, we need to be able to sort of accept that truth and reality and just, you know, <laughs> the world's different. We need to do things differently. And, and I know a lot of uh, people that are, I'm familiar with a number of people that are professional presenters, for example. Um, they, they don't have events to go to, but a lot of them are just doing online events for, for corporations that they still work for. They're just doing, you know, like their information and in the, in the magic presentations and things like that. And they're doing fine. At least uh, some of them, I, you know, maybe not every single one of them, but certainly they, they have a skill and it all goes back to what you started the conversation with, you know, how do you get that content out to the right people? Uh, and how do you provide that information and that technology and, and the backbone and the streaming and all of that? So we're kind of, kind of going full circle with there's a change afoot. And even if, and when, and I think that it's more of a when than if we get back to the live events, there will be a larger piece of it that will be digital for people that can't make or don't want to go to the show, but want to be a part of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a layer of complexity that we will now have to deal with forever. And it will change how we design spaces and how we travel to them and who travels and when and when it makes sense. And, you know, it's, it's a good, just a lot of extra variables for us. Yeah, everything's going to be different. I mean, you know, whether it's you're building a house or an exhibit, all physical space is now different because... Yeah traffic patterns and, and social distancing. And, and you, you know, now that we've gone through this once, you know, you know, we got to be prepared uh, to, to go through it again. So I think uh, you got to think about the future. One of the conversations I've had with the guys at Classic Exhibits, I think you're familiar with those guys, is that there are, in even a small group of employees, like a dozen employees, there's a, there's a wide range of anxiety about it. Some people are like, ah, oh, not a big deal, I'm fine. And then there's the other end, like, I really need the protection around me. And you're right, when it comes to trade shows, that same level, that same wide, you know, spectrum of anxiety is going to be there. Some people are going to be fine with going up and neither shaking hand or, or giving the elbow or whatever. Uh, and others are like, you know, I'm going to wear a mask for the rest of my days. <laughs> you know, give me the hazmat suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it, it extends beyond the individual, too. And then, and then people consider their family and the health risks to, you know, that if they have a family member that's compromised in some way. And so it's, and you, when all that's, and then you think about getting on a plane and I mean, it almost becomes so overwhelming. It's, it's, it's maybe easier to do the alternative. Although we all, 
you know, I know Marcus and I are very social and, and we love right. going to the large auto shows and the trade shows. And it's a great, you know, venue to meet, to network, so go out to dinner, all those things. But um, if you can't do that, it's not going to be the same experience. It's not, no. So when, when it comes to the online virtual experiences, uh, what do you see as far as like uh, when they're, you're scheduling that or you're doing that with someone or making the plans? Is it very time limited? We're going to do it for like three hours today and three hours tomorrow and that's it. Or is it more expensive? Is there, I, mean, I think of other things like, is there a moderator? Is there specific sessions that people are showing up for? Uh, what kind of conversations have you had or what kind of things do you explore with those, uh, those people? Well, you know, we think that some of the things that made traditional live events successful are still really valid. We still think uh, talented talent and presenters, on-screen talent are very important. You know, not every executive and not every engineer and not every product manager is great at speaking on camera. And so there are professionals, you know, that we would utilize to facilitate those type of things. So an MC or a host is probably very important. Um, and then you've got to also consider like your mixture of messaging. It needs to be fundamentally relevant to your audience. It needs to be personally relevant to them or they're just going to click off. You know, we were talking to one of our uh, longtime colleagues in this industry about the move from physical to digital events. And she was saying, you know, the click off opportunity is so easy. Why you've yeah. got to really yeah. keep them there because I can just go to Amazon or, Netflix or anything or just get up from my desk in my house. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're at a trade show and you're already on the floor, you're not just going to leave right in the middle of it usually. So, so you've got to imagine that you're using these people's time in a much more compressed way. And so maybe the events need to be a physically shorter thing because it's a more condensed type of information. Mm -hmm. But then also in terms of um, getting good at doing broadcasting, like you told us last year after I asked you if we were any good on here, you said, well, you should just watch yourselves and, yeah. and then you'll know. You make and notes. So, yeah. You'll, you'll realize what you should do and what you, what you were good at. So yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, for, for a lot of marketers or, or organizations that haven't done broadcast style um, content before they need to practice. Yeah. So keep doing it, I think is, is something that's really important. And if you're doing digital streaming, you know, at least in our, in the case of our, service you're not paying more for audience for more audience you're not paying more for more time you're paying basically a usage fee so get the most out of it do continual events and then also think that maybe you want to do micro events where at a traditional large event you would have your whole audience every every member that could be a customer an audience a stakeholder all of them are there at once in a digital event you don't have to do them all together and you can tailor your message much more specifically for different parts of your audience. So think about segmenting it that way, making it more personal and more right. concentrated for different people. And how do you differentiate between what, you know, what a webinar is, which we've seen, you know, how many hundreds of webinars the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, I actually attended one yesterday, which I, th I think was the first time I was at a webinar where I could participate because uh, I had a whiteboard on the platform. Uh, and they allowed us to make notes, you know, chime in. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Uh, and, and that's one way to keep you engaged. And that was actually kind of the point of the, of the webinar to show you the platform and show you how that works. Is there a way to keep people engaged? I think that's probably a good question that not every platform can satisfy. 
but it would, uh, if you can keep people engaged, even with questions and surveys and things like that, it'll keep them from just saying, you know, I'm done. I've had it. I'm, I'm, I'm bored now. I'm, I'm going to go for a walk, you know, <laughs> or something. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think with, with what we're doing, you know, you really need to, it, it's sort of a new thing, but you got to really plan for it, pre-plan and, you know, use your polling, your Q&A, your chat features, remote, using your own remote camera to be able to uh, engage the audience, uh, have remote guests from all over the world. And I think really planning that out just like you would exhibit you know you'd sit there and you design it and you have to engineer it so it's built the best in the shop and it's going to set up easy on the trade show floor and you know it will be done in timely fashion i think a lot of priests the more pre-stuff you do prior to your live event you can make it really engaging so you don't have those people clicking off and you can engage them but i think you know like when you were participating with that i'm sure that was a a a much more a richer experience than just you know a bunch of faces and, and zoom and that kind of yeah thing. exactly exactly and and i guess the other thing is if you have any one of the first things you mentioned well is if you can create a nice set for it like the 500 square foot area that's got a couple of areas for anchors and backdrops uh, like you have the screen behind you there uh that is also um you know uh eye candy it's attractive to the eye and so people will stick around for something like that i mean i have a bunch of albums behind me but that's my backdrop you know other people have the you know yeah well i do too uh but you can put other things behind you and i think that the, the the virtual screen is a bit of a gimmick but if you can have something that that looks good behind you uh and you can again have two or three cameras that switch back and forth uh and that's actually pretty cheap to do uh not like the millions of dollars that they used to put into tv studios but it's that concept i think is is uh is just one of the keys as well so well you know and i guess we're we're talking about doing these digital digital events now because of a pandemic that has changed the way that we do live events but the events were already changing you know after 2008, for instance, I think we all saw that the industry didn't really rebound to its original level and it has taken a few hits like that. And the technology is to the point now where we can build a set that looks like, you know, ABC News or CNN, but, but doesn't cost $10 million. It only costs a relatively affordable budget with fabric and, and the kind of exhibit technology that we've been using over the last few years. And then consider that the, the streaming technology is to the point where we're pushing out 4K video with as many audio channels as you want and, you know, full broadcast resolution. But again, we're not using millions of dollars of broadcast technology for that. It's all portable, affordable, you know, down near the consumer level. And if you've got the right people to put it together, you can create a product that is as good as any broadcast. Yeah, and you've got the distribution, uh, YouTube and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and whatever. You can probably go all all, all of them if you want. Uh, yeah, so, the, so the distribution certainly there if you want that, you know, kind of a wide broadcast versus a narrow cast. So anyway, I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, we have uh, Marcus Vale and John Pugh from Share Experience. Uh, how's the best place to find you guys online these days? Uh, ShareExperience.co. Gotcha. Well, it's cool to hear from you guys. Let's do it again uh, in the not-too-distant future and uh, to keep us apprised of how this goes as we all kind of make our way through. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to John and Marcus of Share Experience. Really appreciate you guys sharing your experiences and uh, 
and spending time with us uh, as we learn more about how you guys and others are dealing with the ongoing changes wrought by the uh, pandemic, the COVID-19 thing. So I want to close it out with uh, this week's One Good Thing. I, I get a newsletter uh, frequently. I, I ran across a guy named uh, Mark Schaefer. Uh, it was on a, uh, a webinar that he did. There was like a couple of days or about a month, a month and a half ago that there was a bunch of people uh, doing online on how to, how to um, do, I believe, online presentations and various things. And he did like a half an hour to an hour a lot of equipment stuff. He was, you know, how to do uh, uh, streaming and what equipment to use. And, and I thought, well, this is interesting. I went to his website and subscribed to his newsletter. And it comes almost every day, not every day, but uh, it's very useful information, very thoughtful stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to make that this uh, week's one good thing. Mark Schaefer's newsletter. It's called Grow. So if you go to tradeshowguyblog.com, if you're not already there, just check the show notes. We'll have a link to his site and you can subscribe to uh, his newsletter, which I really think you'll like. Uh, that's it. This is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, Monday Morning Coffee, uh, for the last one of August, right? Hang on, let me check the calendar. Oh, no, it's the 24th. We have one more, uh, the 31st next week. <laughs> so anyway, have yourself a great week. Let's do this again next time for the fifth time in August.